Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Tonight we're going to deviate slightly from our usual introductions because the Lord has laid a message on my heart for such a time as the one that we are currently living and facing and I wanted to share this message with you. So I want you to get a notebook and a pen because I'm going to be sharing some scriptures and principles with you. So it's important that you take down notes. At the top of your notes, I want you to write, Sowing in famine, advancing the kingdom. Sowing in famine, advancing the kingdom. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter 8, verse 22 as well as Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. In addition, we will also read Genesis chapter 26, verses 1 through 3, and verse 12, 13, and 14. I'm going to repeat those scripture verses. Genesis chapter 8, Verse 22, we read the following. While the earth remains, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. While the earth remains, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. We're going to read that again. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And now we will go to Genesis chapter 26, and we're going to read verse 1 through 3, and verse 12 through to 14, as we lay a foundation on the subject that I want to expound on tonight. Genesis chapter 26, verses 1 through 3. And 12 through to 14. 
there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. Verse 12, Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous, for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. We need to understand that God prospered Isaac in the land of famine, during severe famine and during severe crisis. Let me share a little testimony from my own life, because these very verses of scripture that I read to you from Genesis 26 have carry um, huge significance in my own life. I'll take you back to 1980 when Zimbabwe received their independence and being part of a very close-knit Greek community, I recall the fear and the dread that was going through the minds of all the people, especially the whites. They were terrified and they began to flee the country because of fear of what would happen to them. All sorts of imaginations and horrible pictures came to their minds that uh, they're going to be a nationalization, they're going to slaughter all of the whites and take the property. So I recall it was, a, it was a time of crisis, especially for the European community. And all of our friends were so afraid they began to sell their buildings, their shops, their houses, almost next to nothing because they were afraid and terrified of what would happen to them. And when imagine living in that atmosphere, the pressure that was placed upon us to make a move. I recall my wife was severely influenced and began to put the pressure on me that it was time for us to leave as well, including my in-laws, who really put the pressure on me to make a move. But I say to them, I am not going to move unless I hear from God. I refuse to be moved by fear and panic and make such a huge decision. So I began to pray began to seek the Lord. I didn't even know that these verses ex existed in the Bible. And after a few weeks of consistent prayer, the Lord began to speak to me using these very verses. When especially the verse that says, dwell in this land and I will be with you and I will 
bless you. Well, I came out of the prayer closet and I said to my wife, we're not going anywhere. The Lord has instructed me that this is the land he wants us to dwell in. Well, to cut a long story short, we stayed for another 10 years. And those 10 years were the most profitable, both spiritually and financially. And during those 10 years, the Lord laid such a solid foundation beneath our feet, both spiritually, that's where we launched our ministry, as well as financially that carried us to this very day. And I have learned a lesson that whenever I am in crisis, I need to stay open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We don't move on the basis of fear. We don't move on the basis of circumstances or situations that we may find ourselves in. We move only by the unction of the Spirit as he reveals the word to us and makes it life and light or gives us a now word, a proceeding word. I have learned, and this is what I want to teach you tonight, that God rewards faith, which is expressed through obedience to his now word. God rewards our faith when it is expressed through our obedience to his now word. You see, Isaac was in a crisis. And he was tempted. The land in which he was dwelling was under severe famine. And the thought came to him, maybe I should go down to Egypt. But the Lord, Scripture says, appeared to him and gave him specific instructions. When we are under pressure or crisis, the first thing we need to do is to stay open to the leading of the Spirit we can be assured that he will lead us out of the crisis into the blessing. He always does, but we need to patiently wait on him and for him until he sends his word to us. You may have to wait for days. You may have to fast a while, but the Lord is always faithful to give us his leading and his direction through the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. When we are facing pressure and crisis, sometimes we think that, Lord, I can't take any more of this. But the Lord knows how much you can take. And he promises that he will not allow us to be tested, to be tempted above what we are able, but will make a way of escape for us. The Lord did make a way of escape for Isaac through the drought, through the crisis, and he will also make a way of escape for us through whatever crisis or drought we might be facing. 
Isaac's faith in God's instruction, of course, was the key to his prosperity. And it is also the key to yours and mine. His faith in God turned his desert into a fruitful land. You know, the natural mind cannot understand this. The carnal mind cannot receive the things of the spirit. But the spiritual man, and we are spiritual, we should be able to receive the things of the spirit. Naturally, who sows in severe times of drought? Only those who have faith in God. So my advice to you today and to all of us, do not fear through this crisis. Do not panic. Stop listening to the news. They can only give you bad news. Turn off the TV and tune in to God's spirit and God's word. Don't fear and do not slow down on your sowing because of the present crisis the economy is experiencing. But continue to sow even in times of drought and famine. You know, when we speak about sowing, most people think, sowing finances. But sowing is not just finances. Every act of faith is an act of sowing into the kingdom of God. Every time you, you, you put your faith on the line, every time you obey the word of God, you are sowing to the spirit. You are sowing into the kingdom of God. Whether it is your time, whether it is your talent, or whether it is your treasure. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 4, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. And verse 6, in the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. That's the wisdom of God. So God blessed Isaac's faith in his word and not just the act of sowing. His act of sowing was birthed out of living faith in God's instruction and was not birthed out of need, out of desperation, or even out of religious activity. It was living faith that empowered him to do what is not natural to do. He took a step of faith, based his faith on the instruction that the Lord gave him through the word. He said, dwell in this land, for in this land I will bless you. So many Christian folk looking at the circumstances in South Africa, looking at the economy, the situation, they upped and left. And many of them have not even consulted with the Lord. They just based their faith on what they saw in the natural. And that for a Christian is a very foolish thing to do. We are not our own. Our lives are not our own. We need to stay put where God placed us rather than trying to get out of the crisis. If it is the will of God for you to leave, fine, but make sure it is the will of the Lord and not your own fear that is causing you to make such decisions. 
So the principle is this. God rewards faith, which is expressed through obedience to his word and not just religious activity. Listen to what God said to Abraham in Genesis 22, verse 16. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. Why? Because you have obeyed my voice and you have not withheld what is dear, what is precious to you. Therefore, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. The most blessed people on the face of the earth are those who obey God and his word at all times, not only when it's convenient, but when it's inconvenient, not only when it pays, but when it costs us. So the seed you sow could be a heartfelt prayer on behalf of someone else. It could be an act of service, or it could be material things you have given away as you were directed by the Lord. So the lesson we learn from this, the first principle is this, that when we are in a crisis or under severe pressure, stay open to the word of God and to the leading of his spirit. The second principle I want to share with you is sow into your inheritance. Sow into your inheritance. You cannot possess anything you are not willing to sow into. This is so important for us to understand. If you want to possess a good marriage, you will have to be willing to sow into it. If you want to be a good parent and raise godly children, you will have to sow into your children as well as into your ability to father them. Amen. If you want to have an obedient congregation, pastors, you need to sow into their lives. You need to let them know you love them, you care for them, you shepherd them, you pray for them. That's how you will have the congregation you want to have. If you want to see your spiritual family prosper and take ground for the kingdom of God, you will have to be willing to sow into that family that God placed you in. So the same principle applies to everything in life. It applies to our health, to our prosperity, and of course, to our good relationships. The reason God blessed Isaac's sowing was because Isaac sowed in the land of his inheritance. He sowed into the promise God gave to his father and to him. God said to him, dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you for to you and your descendants I give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. You see, the land of his inheritance was the land God gave him by birthright. It was the land God designated and assigned to him through generational blessing and impartation from his father Abraham. 
Isaac was not just sowing into a piece of land. He was sowing into his future. He was sowing into a designated territory where so many promises from God were given. So many altars to the Lord were built and so many prayers were prayed on that land. It was a place that was sanctified. It was a place that was prepared by the Lord and was a place where it was cultivated by his father. Abraham walked that land by faith, prayed upon it, raised altars of worship to God throughout that land. And we see that in Genesis 13 and verse 14, And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. And then he said to him, Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. And so Abraham moved his tent from place to place, and there he raised altars of worship and prayer. So we're talking about a sanctified land, a land that was greatly prepared by his father Abraham. So it's important to sow not only in faith, but also to sow into your designated area or place where your spiritual inheritance is found. This is such an important principle for us to understand and to receive revelation on. Principle number three, we need to locate and identify our inheritance. This brings me to my question, which I trust all of you in one way or another have answered this question. And that's why I believe you are on this platform of sons and daughters of this spiritual family. And the question is, have we found our place of inheritance? Have we identified and recognized the land of our blessing? Psalm 16 and verse 6 says, The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. And I know this verse of scripture has great significance for Michael. <laughs> uh, we were out fasting at Falmouth years back when he was praying and seeking God for his future. And, uh, and the Lord uh, revealed or gave him a revelation of this verse. And he said to him that the land you have been given is a pleasant land and a wonderful inheritance. So praise God. When we seek the Lord diligently, he will always guide us and answer our prayers. So God said to Isaac, dwell in this land, for to you and your descendants I give all these lands in order to perform the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. You see, Isaac was walking in his father's promises. Isaac was walking in his inheritance, and he took ownership of those promises and sowed into them. He sowed his very life 
into those promises that were given to him by his father. For Isaac, it was the land of Gerar. For Joseph, it was the land of Egypt. For me, at one particular time, it was the land of Zimbabwe. Then, the land of South Africa, and of course, now, the nations. Psalm 2, verse 8 says, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. So in the new covenant, we are not just referring to physical and natural land or inheritance, but a spiritual one as well. Your inheritance is always found in the spiritual family God placed you in. It is a place you can call your own, in which he gives you a spiritual father, a mother, brothers and sisters, a family to whom promises are given and spiritual inheritance. It's so important for us to understand this. That is why God sometimes will redirect us or reposition us before he blesses us. We must take pains to discover, to locate, and know where our spiritual inheritance is and what are the promises God has given to our spiritual family by the Holy Spirit. We must find the place where we belong. We have a sense of belonging, a sense that we are being loved and cared for the place in which God had directed us by his spirit, the place we can call your very own, the place which is given to us by divine right and allow him to work in us and through us so that we can prosper and bear much, much fruit. We need to understand that when God gives you a spiritual family, he gives you much more than just a place to worship, or a place of instruction, or a place in which you can be shepherded. He gives you a promise of blessing to inherit. Promises which have been passed down to you from your spiritual lineage, from your spiritual father and grandfather down to you. So few believers understand this truth today or have any revelation of the significance of this important principle, especially in an age of orphan thinking and independent living. Jesus said to the disciples, listen to what he said to them in John 4, verse 37 and 38. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I send you to reap that for which you have not labored, others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. Here is the principle here. We are entering into the labors of others who have labored long before we got here. This is the blessing of generational impartation from one generation to another from fathers to sons, from mothers to daughters. 
When God directed me to my spiritual father in 1987, Father Eusebius Stefano, he was the leader, he went home to be with the Lord now, of the Greek Orthodox Charismatic Renewal in the United States. I did not know at first that he was my spiritual father. All I knew was that I was attracted and drawn to his teaching and ministry and received from him such encouragement, the only priest who ever encouraged me while I was ministering to the Greek Orthodox people. And he recognized and affirmed me. When I visited him by revelation in Fort Wayne, Indiana in 1987, and I spent a few weeks with him, it was revealed to me by the Spirit. I remember, I will never forget that day. I cried like a little baby. It was revealed to me by the Spirit that because of this man's labors in the Spirit, because of his tears and because of his prayers for the Greek Orthodox people, God the Father birthed and ushered me into the ministry of an evangelist to the Greek nation. I saw that so clearly in the Spirit. And because of my relationship with him, I entered a spiritual field I did not labor to cultivate. I met people all over the world I did not know. And I received invitations to many nations to travel and preach the gospel to the Greek people. And that was all due to his labors in the spirit. I found an inheritance for which I did not labor. This was my family. And in that family, I found my spiritual inheritance. So when the Lord directs you to the place where he intends for you to work, to labor and invest your time, your skills and your talents and your life is giving you more than just a place to sow. He's also giving you a promise of blessing to inherit. God will bless your employer and your place of work if you're diligent in what you have been assigned to do. And the primary reason God places you there is because God desires to bless them and your sphere of influence through you and extend the influence of his kingdom through your faith in God. And we read that in Genesis 39 verse 3, where we read the following concerning Joseph. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house. And so it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. That's so clear. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. God will bless the place he placed you because you are there. And if you are diligent and you are acting by faith in the word of God, he will bless you, but he will bless many through you and in your sphere of influence. Lastly, principle number four. 
God rewards the diligent, but dishonors the lazy. The place God gave you or the family God has placed you in might be dry and might be barren. But if you take ownership of it and pour your heart into it through prayer, through acts of love and obedience, the Lord will turn your deserts into pools of water and it will not only refresh uh, refresh you, but those around you. And that's what God did with Isaac. The land in which he sowed was a barren land, was a dry land. It was under severe famine. But because he took ownership of it and began to work and in accordance to the word of God, sowed his life into it, God turned his desert into a blossoming field. Isaac's land of promise, as you know, was not the place you ideally invest or sow. But because of his diligence and hard work, God rewarded him the same year, the Bible says, the same year, hundredfold in return. What a harvest he reaped. We read also in Genesis 26, how Isaac would not give up on that land. He would not give up on the promises of God. And we read in Genesis 26, verse 18, And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. And also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerah quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek, because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sitna, and he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. Please notice how Isaac would not give up on the land of his inheritance. He dug one well, it was spoiled. He dug another one and it was spoiled. He dug until he found water. He wouldn't give up on the promises God gave to him through his father. You know, one of the greatest problems we are facing today, not just in church, but in every sphere of life, is that people do not take ownership or responsibility for what is given to them. They don't take the initiative. They don't have the drive to take that initiative and take ownership for what is given to them by promise. They will do the bare minimum and expect the greatest rewards. That is a major problem we're facing, not just in society today, but also in church. If you will engage the promises of God with a diligent mind, and if you take ownership of what the Lord gives you and promised you and work with it, God will reward you richly. Listen to what God says. 
Isaiah 41, verse 18, I will open rivers in desolate heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. That's a promise of God, folks. God will cause the desert in our life to blossom and the land of drought and famine to produce abundance if we are willing to engage God with diligence and faithful obedience. The wisdom of the Lord says, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. Proverbs 12, verse 24. The soul of the lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Proverbs 13, verse 4. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. Proverbs 20, verse 4. Throughout my years in ministry and working with people, one of the lessons and one of the things I have observed is this. Believers are generally lazy when it comes to the things of God. They are not willing to put up a fight for what is rightfully theirs and belongs to them. We just roll over and let the devil have his way. Having got the, the backbone to stand up and fight for what is rightfully ours, for what Jesus paid the price for. And I say this, and I say this with sadness in my heart. If people can so easily walk away from the marriages, so easily walk away from the God-given relationships and from their spiritual family they have been assigned and given to them by the Lord, it's because they have lost the willingness to fight for what God gave to them in the first place. Sure, there are exceptions. But we need to really take hold and fight for what is ours. It's because never really grasped their inheritance by faith, nor have they waged war against the forces which opposed and hindered them in the possession of these promises. And Paul confirms that when he writes to Timothy and he says to them, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. And in 1 Timothy 6.12, he says to him, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you are also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. There is a fight to win. And we win that fight. It's a good fight because it's a fight of faith. And it always, always, we always win because it's a fight of faith. Faith has never lost a battle. So may the Lord help us and give us revelation so that we may take ownership of what the Lord has given to us, either directly from God or indirectly through those who are in authority over us and be willing to fight for what's been promised to us by divine right 
and not just roll over and allow the devil to steal and destroy what rightfully belongs to us. Amen. This is a call to fight, folks. We are going through a severe crisis and we need to understand and have a revelation of what God wants us to do during this time of crisis. We need to press in. We need to get hold of God. We need to get hold of his promises and fight the good fight of faith. So, this is what I wanted to share with you. And I believe it's a now word for us, for the church. These are the principles that we ought to live by from day to day. And let me mention them once again. Four principles. Number one, God rewards faith which is expressed through obedience to his now word, to his preceding word. There is the written word of God. There is also the living word or the preceding word of God. And we need to stay open at all times to receive that word. And when we do, we need to act on it without any delay. Principle number two, sow into your inheritance. Principle number three, locate and identify your spiritual inheritance. And principle number four, God honors and rewards the diligent, but dishonors the lazy. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.